Hello and welcome to series two of the Digital Confidence and Decision Making podcast. Obviously series one was very much aimed at the book, going through that in a bit more detail, expanding on the chapters, reading through it, giving some examples, etc. Season two, we're going to move it up a little bit and start to think about some ideas that are evolving within digital, how you can think about it, how we can use it, where it's going, how you're going to deliver savings. Obviously, with my background, again, we're going to be focused a lot on the public sector, local government, third sector, some of the work I'm doing, but everything can be applied in, in many ways. So it can be applied into the business world, into other areas. And again, we talk from chief exec level right down to very junior level of how you use the model and the methodology within that. So really in this one, we're going to get into a bit more detail kind of around how you use digital, what you can do with it, how you can think differently, different models, different ways of working. And again, coming back to that whole concept of digital confidence, the more you understand about how you can use it, what you can do with it, what it changes, the more you can actually kind of deliver within your organisation. So we're going to start today really talking a little bit around thinking differently. And for me, I obviously have my kind of maxim within the company of think different, be efficient, work together. And for me, that's what kind of becoming a sinner is. So obviously, S-Y-N-N-E-R as opposed to S-I. But we talk about being a sinner as someone who does all of these things. So someone who thinks differently, someone who's focused on the efficiencies over the transformation and someone who does work together. So we're talking about working with different departments Uh, working with other staff, working with customers. We bring everyone in into the work that we're doing. So bringing all those things together, we'll start today a little bit with thinking differently about things. And we're going to really look at the supply and demand model from kind of the commercial sector and, and how that works. So pretty much everything within business works on supply and demand. And very, very simple that if demand outstrips supply, prices go up. If supply outstrips demand, prices go down. Now, that doesn't sound very relevant when you're thinking about the public sector and how we work, because it's not particularly kind of supply-demand-led. But thinking about the model and the costings of it, you can actually come away with a really good example of how you can start to shift services, change them, and again, think differently. And for me, again, there's, there's lots of information out there, lots of uh, reports, journalism, things, the MJ, LGC magazines, constantly talking about kind of councils who are really struggling financially. They don't know wh- where they're going to make the savings from. They're missing savings targets. Uh, there's multiple councils who have been close to kind of bankruptcy. And a lot of these, again, are still doing digital projects and trying digital projects. And they're not achieving what they want to, to achieve or what they've set out to achieve. They're not delivering the savings. And actually, in a lot of cases, people don't really know where the savings were in the first place. So we've had this huge focus on kind of user-centered service design, user needs, customer first, let's focus on that. And what's that led to is, is not delivering the savings that sit behind that. And that's really key in how you're using digital and how you think about it. And for me, a lot of that kind of comes down to IT digital are trying to do the right thing. And they're trying to get there, but actually it's a different model. It's a different way of working. It's a different way of thinking that involves the users as well, thinking differently, working differently. And if you haven't got that flow through from front to back, you're never really going to succeed in the projects that you're that you're working on. 
And so here's a kind of a, an example lifted from that from a supply and demand model that we can take into digital and think about how we deliver our services. So kind of a slightly tenuous link, but we're going to look at, uh, we'll go with McDonald's as a fast food restaurant, and then we'll go with a unnamed Michelin-starred restaurant because they're, they're two very easy models to work with. So McDonald's, everyone knows, hundreds of them around the, around the country. Most cities have, have got quite a few. You can go in, you can order. There's always food. They never run out. You don't have to book. You turn up, order what you want. It's cooked within a couple of minutes, and away you go. Michelin-starred restaurants in general, you've probably had to maybe book three months in advance, maybe even longer. When you get there, it's obviously very high-end. You're met. The food's of a very high quality. It's expensive, and it's cooked by proper chefs. And it's a completely different model to that of a fast-food restaurant. In looking at it in this way, you can kind of go, okay, so McDonald's, where they've gone now is effectively we've got the touch screens, we've got the touch ordering, uh, you can order on your phone, you can use the app. You've gone for a bit of a digital front end, which is fine. That's where they want to go. It wasn't particularly high tech before. It was a number of people stood behind a till, lots of food in a kind of warm bin that sat behind them. You ordered, they took it out, they threw it in the bag. They've obviously tried to move away from that model slightly more cooked to order but not quite cooked to order but it means they've got a lot less waste at the end of the day there's a lot less things going in the bin and believe me I worked in a McDonald's when I was 16 which seems a lifetime ago now but there was always a bin count at the end of the night to tally up how much food had actually been thrown away during the day and so you've got this kind of front end where the supply now is unlimited there's no limit to how many people can eat there, how much they can order, what time they can go, when kind of 24-7 is fairly common within restaurants. You take that through from there to either eating in the restaurant taken away, and then into the kitchen itself, you've basically got, let's call them unskilled chefs. So quite low-skilled workers, such as me at the age of 16. I still remember how to cook a hamburger. I know how to cook their Big Macs. I could probably still do a chicken sandwich. I think if I walked into the kitchen today... I could actually probably do a shift in McDonald's fairly well because everything is process driven. It's it's a very set process. This is the most efficient way of cooking these burgers, cooking chicken sandwiches, cooking the fish, doing fries, everything that actually anyone can do it. And anyone can walk into that kitchen from being an unskilled person to cooking a burger within their first shift. Flip that over to the Michelin starred restaurant. What do you actually have? You turn up at the front door for your your meal which obviously you've booked well in advance you get there there's probably a maitre d of some sort meeting you at the door you're probably then shown to your table it's probably a, quite a small exclusive restaurant there's probably a wine sommelier there who's going to match all your food to the best wine there's probably a well-known head chef or a, a very good head chef at the place and then he's probably got an army of kitchen staff sat behind him that are highly skilled well-trained staff costs a lot of money So at this point, you probably think I've lost the plot completely, but kind of bear with me. So with McDonald's, where we're looking at supply and demand, supply will always outstrip demand. Therefore, the cost of that supply is is relatively low. The the cost of the food is low, etc. But on the demand side, instead of thinking about it as commercial supply demand, the price then goes low, we can think about kind of the cost to deliver that service. And the cost to deliver that supply demand 
is relatively low because it's unskilled or low skilled work within a McDonald's kitchen. It's process heavy, very efficient within the Michelin starred restaurant. Obviously, uh, supply is, is outweighed by demand. There's more people wanting to go to these restaurants than can actually go. You have to book months in advance. Therefore, not only is the food costly and more expensive to eat there because it's exclusive, the cost to deliver that service is also much more expensive. Again, you've got a, a kitchen full of highly skilled trained staff. You've probably got uh, waiters and waitresses that are very well trained, understand the menu inside out. We've mentioned the wine sommelier, we've mentioned the maitre d'. It's a much richer kind of uh, service that you're getting. So not only is it more expensive for you to go and eat there, it's more expensive for the restaurant itself to provide that service back to you. Now, someone will clearly pick me up on the fact there's a couple of street food Michelin starred restaurants, but we'll ignore them. This is proper sit down restaurants. And obviously, likewise, the ingredients are going to be more expensive, the goods, everything, the, the plates are more expensive, the china, McDonald's is cardboard wrapping, paper wrapping, all sorts, plastic chairs, plastic tables. So you can kind of see when we're looking at supply demand that although the supply demand model for McDonald's, the Michelin is, is the opposite way. It's the back office almost, the element where the cost of that service sits. So McDonald's, think about in a council, your planning department, your revs and bends department, your uh, housing departments, that's the kitchen. That's where the work gets done. That's where it all gets completed. How you get there is the front end. And what we're doing in councils at the moment, realistically, is we're kind of mixing this model where we've got a McDonald's kind of front end on on the uh, the supply side. So we've given unlimited supply, unlimited access access to our services. Where obviously we've got we haven't put any kind of controls around that. It's all web based. We've built forms, we've built websites, we've built web pages. We can fill all that information in. And again, thinking about McDonald's, we've got unlimited customers. Supply can always outstrip demand because of the ease of access. There's restaurants everywhere. It's open twenty four hours. It's cheap to buy, it's cheap to run. We've taken half of that. We've done the front end of it. We've sorted almost out the, the restaurant and the ordering of the food. But then what we've got sat behind that is the Michelin-starred kitchen. We've still got very process-heavy, very people-heavy, very manual levels of kind of skill that sit behind this front end. And therefore, if you're trying to look at it from a supply-demand set of scales... We've almost balanced them out through the middle rather than having one one end heavier than the other. And you could imagine the chaos if you were going to go to a Michelin-starred restaurant and literally anyone could eat there. It was open 24-7 and there was a, a touch screen in front of you that you went in and ordered at. The minute that order goes through to the kitchen and you're, you're cooking a, I don't know, a sirloin steak or a ribeye steak and it's, it comes with all the garnishes and everything else, I mean... You see people dropping flowers on meals with uh, tweezers and stuff. It's far in advance anything I really want to eat. But you can't have that front end looking like a McDonald's if the back end is a Michelin-starred process, processing efficient, very manual kind of team that sit behind it. You've, you've lost the balance of where you need to be. And so where, we, where we're at with a lot of these services and why we're not delivering the savings is because we've only done half the model. We've only fixed the front end and we've spent long, long times and lots of effort and pretty much every council I see, speak to, uh, see a webinar from, a demo from 
and particularly the ones that are actually then come out and said they're struggling financially, all of that focus has been on that front end and this kind of obsession with customer first and how do we get the customer experience to be amazing when actually what they're trying to achieve is a level of savings that they need to hit within each of those departments. And the savings aren't necessarily going to come from enabling almost this 24-7 supply model at the front end. So you can have lots of forms and all sorts, but if that form that's created by someone online is going through and into, I don't know, let's give an example, revs and bends, is then going into information at work or a similar system, and is then having to be re-input and re-keyed by a member of staff who is a trained assessor, then ultimately you're you're kind of costing yourselves money because someone's filled all that information in. So you've done a McDonald's front end, you've had someone come in, do all of the touchscreen ordering, and the minute that's done, it's passed through into a big kitchen, lots of trained chefs, lots of trained staff having to work on it to ultimately deliver the service that you want to deliver. And ultimately, you can kind of look at it from four ways there. You've got four different models, effectively. You've got a McDonald's front-end with a Michelin-starred back-end. You've got a McDonald's front-end with a McDonald's back-end, a Michelin front-end and a Michelin back-end, a Michelin front-end and a McDonald's back-end. And depending on the service, depends on where you really want to be and the savings that you're going to do. So McDonald's McDonald's is obviously the ultimate. That's the kind of the utopia of where you want to be where you have a very cheap front-end supply service. You can run lots of uh, supply through that as much as you want. 24-7 people can access it all the time. How many people access it doesn't matter because the back-end has either been fully automated or it's so quick and easy to do that a team of relatively junior staff can just knock those out one by one in the same way that McDonald's can, can knock 100 burgers an hour out quite easily and simply. All the way through to Michelin Michelin, which is going to be a very expensive front end, people first, probably uh, people coming into the contact centre, speaking to you face to face, spending that time or you going to them. And again, for some services, social care in particular, childcare, anything like that, that's actually where you want to be. So we're not saying you have to move away from all of these. We're saying pick the service and the tier it wants to be sitting at. McDonald's Michelin is where most currently are. And that's actually where you're causing yourself some trouble because you now need to spend a lot more time and effort and focus on that Michelin-starred kitchen. How are you going to actually extract some of those chefs out, bring less skilled people into it, and make the processes as efficient as you can? And again, if you've seen uh, the film about McDonald's, the founder, you'll notice that almost from day one, McDonald's were obsessed with kind of speed around the kitchen, efficiency around the kitchen, how things move how they flow and obviously that's a lot of the work we've been doing around user-centered design we now just have to take the next step forwards from that and then almost the, the the last option and the worst one is almost that michelin front end and the mcdonald's quick end so where you can deliver that really fast quick back-end service you should be but you've put a front end on it that's really quite clunky slow and again causes people to turn up quite expensive uh, and will ultimately cost you money so we're looking at how we can actually move from one model to another and into the next and I'll go back a little bit just on the revs and bends example because it's it's one I've used a few times and it's one I know quite well just because I used to, many years ago I worked in housing benefit so I understand the service and how it works pretty well and I mentioned that at the moment a lot of councils have kind of gone down the route of 
uh, a McDonald's front end, so it's self-serve. You can go in, you can fill all your details in. But then ultimately, it becomes a PDF document into information at work or even worse, as it comes across as an email. And you can go through all of that and say, okay, so that's the flow. That's gone into the system. Maybe we've had a pre-assessor look at it. Then it goes through to an assessment team. And ultimately, you may well have a quality control team check in 4%, 10% of claims out the back of that. But you've asked the resident to fill all that information in and key it into a system. So obviously, the, the most sensible thing to do, the most cost efficient thing to do, and the cheapest way to have a process is kind of not to have a process. So if they're inputting all that information, just put that straight through into your revs and bend system and remove the need to do the assessment. Have the, the residents self-assess themselves against their needs. We already know if you actually ignore the headlines that fraud in these services is actually quite low. Overpayments do happen, but again, there's rules around claiming those back, how you get the money back, what you keep, what you don't keep, what goes back to government, etc., and, and the various subsidies. So it's not going to be perfect. There will be things, but you're now moving to a place where the customer inputs all the information. You've automated the actual assessment. That all happens and can come back to the customer almost immediately to say, thanks for all your information. You're entitled to X amount of money per month. There's a check in the post. Where you are today, it's almost, thanks for submitting. Wait three weeks. We'll get round to it. We might ask for you for more information. We might actually then get round to sending you a letter. You might then get a check three or four weeks after that. And actually, in some cases, we're putting people towards the edge of kind of uh, homelessness through not getting benefit checks to them quickly enough. So you're moving away from that kind of process, uh, sorry, manual labor, having trained assessors do all this work to a self-assessment model where the assessors then become kind of your quality control. You can check more claims than you did do previously because they're now being self-assessed. You can spend more time on them and it actually will cut down massively on the amount of work that you have to do, the amount of staff that you need. It's much quicker to check a claim than it is to actually do a full assessment on one. And you might not want to start first day with every single claim. You might say, okay, if they're already on income support or job seekers or something, that goes through the automated process because we know exactly what they're entitled to and how they're going to do it. But it's that process of the savings that you will make aren't from this McDonald's front end. They're from moving the back end to a McDonald's model and moving away from what you've currently got as people heavy Michelin-style processes. And you could do it for council tax, you can do it moving within boroughs, you can probably do it for business rates. There's lots of things you can do, but that's not on the digital team to do that. That's on the business actually having an understanding that digital is there to enable new business models and new ways of working. And when we get onto the efficiency side of things, again, I talk a lot about kind of, I don't, I'm not keen on the term digital transformation. You'll see it across my website because it's a good marketing term, but, but that's about it because no one agrees on it. But if you're thinking about what is the most efficient way of delivering my service, then that is where digital comes in that you can then start to say, okay, the, the, the most efficient way, a bit like Netflix, the most efficient way of delivering video is over the internet streaming it rather than the old school driving to blockbusters. And so as much as everyone's investing in digital and digital technology and digital teams, 
they're only really looking at half of the problem and you will only get the other half of the problem really looked into and well developed when the business itself also understands how digital can help them do their job and change the way that they do it and it's not easy because you don't want to necessarily do yourselves out of jobs by saying well actually you don't need benefits assessors anymore you will need them but they're doing a different role and it's a bit like in my book where I talked about kind of the the combine harvesters and the original ones yeah they took people out of the fields who were with scythes scythes sorry hacking down wheat and corn and that but they then changed into different jobs you then had the combines to look after the horses to tend to kind of more jobs were created they were just different to the ones that you were doing and likewise with this we're not saying we need to get rid of everyone there's no assessing there will be some because there's always some complex claims anyway I don't think anyone's ever going to automate a taxi claim for example it's a complex one that that needs someone's skill to look at and understand but there's a whole host you can automate and then your assessors like I say become quality checkers more than assessors but you won't get any level of savings until your benefits managers, your revenues managers, your finance managers understand that that's a model you can move to and that you can really change to. And one of the reasons I do talk about this, and again, it's something I've mentioned a few times on various documents and various podcasts before that I've been on, was one of the polls that I undertook on uh, LinkedIn probably a few months ago now actually asked a, a very basic question. So, The question was, would you rather complete a paper form with a 24-hour yes-no response or an online form that took three to four weeks for a response? And most of my connections on LinkedIn work in digital, so you kind of expect a bit of people going towards digital as being the the ultimate kind of answer for everything. But the responses were that 52% of people said paper, please, and 48% said online only. And although that's very close, it's a little bit too close to Brexit, to be honest. But what that tells you is that your residents are more concerned with the speed at which they get the response than they are with how they kind of apply for that response in the first case. So again, all this time we've spent up front making sure that the front end's nice and that we've got these forms in place and we're doing it is largely irrelevant when it comes to customer or resident experience if the process is then very slow once it gets into the back office and that you have to wait for answers. So how do we get to a point where all of the transactions that we can do immediately, we're doing immediately, we're automating all the processes, uh, things are happening much quicker than they than uh, they are doing currently because we're not having to do them all manually. And the fact that automation and the tools that we can use, people have, have been a little bit scared of them, a little bit sceptical, Again, it's about changing the models. It's not just saying, this is how we currently work, let's automate bits of it. Of course, there will be efficiencies that you can get through that, and McDonald's wouldn't be what it is today if it couldn't knock out burgers in 45 seconds and things and cook food quickly to order, get customers in and out as quick as possible. It would be a completely different business model. So the efficiencies are there, they're going to happen, and they need to happen, but you also then need to take that to the next level of kind of what is the most efficient way I can deliver this service and a lot of the time that means not having a human involved in it or the human being the quality control rather than the doer of it and again you can't apply this blanket across every single service there are some services 
where human connection, human touch is absolutely essential. But we're trying to move away from having that across all the services where that is costly and expensive and unrequired so that where we do need it in some of these other services, the social cares of the world and things, you've got more support, more resourcing, more money available to spend on that. So going back to the the kind of the McDonald's Michelin starred piece, it's absolutely fine to have both of those next to each other in kind of services, again, next to each other within the council. It's not all or nothing. You can chop and change and work out exactly what it needs to be. But this supply and demand model where the cost of the demand is the bit that you need to be looking at is key. And likewise, if you want that really good customer experience and or resident experience, as I'll come on to in, a, in another podcast, then it's about the speed at which you can deliver that service back to someone rather than the means at which they get to it. And so when we talk about thinking differently, it is about how you're approaching the way that you're working with digital and with technology. And although I do say I don't really like digital transform- transformation as a, as a phrase or a, a concept, you can almost take it to kind of there's an efficiency level, there's digital efficiency, there's going through the processes, there's making them lean. Uh, some people do Lean Six Sigma, various ways, taking waste out of them, making them as, as perfect as you possibly can. But in a lot of ways, that is taking the way that we work now and making that as efficient as possible. Whereas almost what we're saying with digital, and, and I think this is kind of where digital transformation does come into play, is saying almost how do we rip up the rule book and start again? And if any of you have, have banked online with uh, Revolut or Starling or Tide or, or one of those, the process with which you apply for that compared to how you apply for a bank account with one of the, the more kind of legacy banks, the HSBCs, Barclays and, and Lloyds of the world is very different. And actually when I opened my uh, company bank account with Tide, I would, I'd actually started the process with another bank and they wanted documentation. They wanted me to, to walk down to the bank, fill some forms in. Uh, I think HSBC asked me to download a PDF and fill it in and send it in if I wanted online banking which I clearly refused to do. Tide was open an app. It was put your details in. It went to company's house with an API, pulled all that information back on the business. It then took a photo of me, took a selfie. I then scanned my passport. I scanned a couple of other documents. And within about 15 minutes, I had a company bank account set up. When I wanted a second account, I clicked a button that said add account, hit that, and then basically name of the account, called it VAT, and I suddenly had a second bank account. There was no palaver or anything in doing that. And it's not perfect, but again, think about that with your services where you're asking for more information, you're asking for forms, you're asking for ID, you're asking for all these uh, bits of paperwork that could just be scanned on a phone or a selfie or anything like that. So again, it's not kind of going, the legacy banks work this way, let's just make that more efficient it's it's rip the rule book up think differently about how we're delivering the services how we can deliver them digitally and how we can almost remove ourselves from delivering that service and make it completely resident-led so if the resident's filling out the form anyway you can kind of make them do all of the work in this process and you automate what sits behind it 
and only intervene manually in the right places within the process. So moving away, you start to pull things together where you're going, okay, so we're looking at how we get to almost to a McDonald's, McDonald's approach. We're looking at how the customer does a lot more of the work where we do need to do it. Can we use kind of lower skilled staff all the way through to in a McDonald's, you still have someone who's quality checking the food before it goes out. So you still have that senior role who knows what they're doing. And really just trying to mix it up, think differently. How do we do things different? Do we send text message alerts to people? Do we email them? Do we be more proactive? Do we rip up the rule book on fly tipping? Why does fly tipping happen? Because we make we charge people to go to the tip if they want to get rid of certain types of waste. So we're pushing fly tipping onto some because they don't want to pay it. How much does that cost us versus how much we're taking in money for licenses to go to the tip and do it properly? Which route do we want to go down? There's, there's so many conversations and different ways of thinking about things, different ways of looking at them, not necessarily digital to such, but it's to say you've got all these things, you've got to hit massive saving levels because councils having to make millions of pounds worth of cuts and they're almost trying to do it by saying, well, we'll just carry on as we are but we'll change some of the processes and make them a bit more efficient or we'll just take a few bits out or worst we'll cut services completely and they're not going to the point of well actually we just need to sit down and really have a lot of brainstorming about how we almost remove ourselves from the process automate everything we can and make it as efficient as possible with the customer doing most of the work and it's only really when you start to understand digital from a, the concept of what can it do for me and the business or me and the organization that you can really get involved in some of these conversations so again your confidence levels have to increase around digital and how it's working looking at other industries other models other companies how they're working what you like what you don't like what services you use what you don't use I hear the phrases, things like, oh, we want to be like Amazon. You don't want to be like Amazon. Amazon are there because they're cheap and they're quick. It's nothing to do with how the account works. Your account is very, very different. Digital service is so good that people choose to use them. Brilliant, but that has to include the back office because I'm only going to choose to use you if the back office service is equally as good and as slick as the online forms or the My Account that you've made me use in the first place. So again, you've got to think holistically around both ends and the service you're delivering. And if you can start to get your head around where you can go with some of this stuff and start to think, we can do things very differently, we can take cost out, and we need to bring the digital team into these conversations and have them and understand how far can we go, what rec facial recognition tools are there, what can we use, what can we have to update documentation and stuff that you, you start to understand how different you can start to deliver services and you will start to make inroads on the savings that you're having to make because trying to make savings when they're attached to kind of the front end website e-forms package my accounts and whatever else we're doing at the moment in this sector you'll fail because that's not where the savings sit and i know we've all read the soccer team things of a phone call costs this much and an email costs this much and a face-to-face -face costs that much. That's fine, but it's not real. You can't take £8 off someone and make it £2. That's not a person, that's half a fingernail. You need to collate all of this up into a much bigger picture and say across the entire process 
from front to back, we've got elements the customer can do. We've probably got elements customer services can do. There's things we can do on the website. There might be some automations, might be some chatbots. We then need to make the processes behind that kind of completely new and then as efficient as possible. So you've got this complete chain from front to back that you need to be kind of attacking every element of it and thinking about how you do things differently. And that's where you'll start to make the savings. And for me, a lot of that comes from the strategy and where that's written. And that's what we'll start to pick up in next week's episode. So thank you very much for listening to me rant about uh, McDonald's and Michelin-starred restaurants for the last half an hour or so. But really kind of draw them out, start to put the models down, think about what services you've got and where they sit in that McDonald's, Michelin kind of model that I've given you of the four elements. And then we can start to look at how we unwrap some of that next time. So thank you very much for listening and I shall speak to you soon. Goodbye.